You're here with a mission, sir? I am. Trying to get me back in the world? Trying to save it. You think you're the only superhero in the world? You've become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. This is now playing's Avengers Retrospective Series. The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Earth's Mightiest Heroes type thing. Part of the now playing Marvel comic movie series. Well, I guess that's worth a look. Hosted by Arnie. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Jacob. What were you the god of again? And Stuart. Destiny has dire plans for you, my friend. I have dire plans for Destiny. What are you prepared to do? At NowPlayingPodcast.com, we will be reviewing all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies featuring the superheroes Iron Man. I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly. The Incredible Hulk. He was a freak accident. The goal is to do it better. Thor. You call yourself Lord of Thunder. God of Thunder. Captain America. How many of you are ready to help me sock old Adolf on the job? Ant-Man. The ultimate secret weapon. Guardians of the Galaxy. What a bunch of a-holes. Doctor Strange. Heroes like the Avengers protect the world from physical dangers. We sorcerers safeguard it against more mystical threats. Spider-Man. Are you an Avenger? Yeah, basically. Inhumans. What are we? What if I told you there's a place where people have powers like us? The city of Adelaide. And the Avengers. I have an army. We have a Hulk. Let me emphasize that what I'm about to share with you is tremendously sensitive both to me personally and the Army. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Listener discretion is advised. Gentlemen, you're up. Showtime, a-holes! Today we're discussing... Thor Ragnarok, starring Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston, Kate Blanchett, Idris Elba, Jeff Goldblum, Tessa Thompson, Carl Urban, and Mark Ruffalo with Anthony Hopkins, directed by Taika Waititi. This is the now playing co-host ready to Ragnarok and roll, Arnie. This is Stuart. Hold on, I'm turned around here. I'm coming around. Coming around. (laughs) I'm I'm not even moving. I don't know what happened. Hey guys, this is Jacob. (laughs) Yes, are we going to discuss Asgardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> That's what I stated last week. Yeah, this looks a lot like Guardians of the Galaxy was successful, so let's do that with Thor. And I'm open to that because, man, I have not liked those last two Thor films. No one does, right? I mean, it's no one's favorite. It's someone's favorite, but yeah, it low percentage. I went to the Thor fan event. Were you a fan? I guess you did recommend both of those. So you are, out of us, the Thor fan. Yeah, if you could recommend that first one. Well, to me, the first one is so much better than the second one. I did sit down and rank the entire Avengers pantheon as I feel today, which may be a little bit different than how I felt back when we ranked them before. And Thor the Dark World is my least favorite of all 
the movies. And it's the one. If I could flip one arrow, I'd probably give that one a red. Oh, I don't know. Just a few months ago, you dragged me to Inhumans. Oh. Yeah, where does Inhumans fall on your list? <laughs> Have you been watching it, Arnie? I gotta know. What's what happened since they chopped off her hair? Stuart, you're assuming I'm not watching it? <laughs> yes. Because I'm not. I'm not either. I what? Have... <laughs> oh, no one's watching it. I have better things to do on a Friday night. I did see a headline while I was researching Thor. Marvel fans kicking in humans while it's down, wishing Taika Waititi could come in and fix in humans. That show <laughs> is a debacle. Its ratings plummet week after week. And I'm hearing some inside baseball that Marvel thinks they've damaged their entire brand, especially of television, with that show, and they wish they hadn't done it. It's easily, if we count it as a movie, I mean, I think it gives Thor a break. Any Thor looks better than that, but yeah, I guess that should have never been put into movie theaters, whereas Thor has tried now, this is his third attempt to try and say he is an interesting standalone character. To me, what's interesting is Iron Man. You had Jon Favreau direct part one and part two. Captain America, the Russo brothers, direct parts two and part three. They find something that works and they stick with it with those. Thor is the only other character to get a trilogy and they thought Kenneth Branagh might do all three <laughs> and then they tried some Game of Thrones guys and now Taika Waititi. Yeah, you know this guy, right? You think Shakespeare and big barbarian epics like Game of Thrones? Yeah, let's do a mostly comedic New Zealand director who's done some... Look, I went and did a deep dive of his stuff because I haven't kept up on New Zealand cinema since I came back from there. I did live there a couple years, so I wanted to see why this guy? Why are they choosing him for Thor? What were you doing in the shadows? That is his most popular one. Supposedly, they're making an American version. We're going to get, in case you don't like Kiwi accents. <laughs> but yeah, it's very funny. A mockumentary about vampires in modern day New Zealand. There's a great Stuart character in there. Stuart, I know you don't get a lot of great Stuarts, but... Never. He really captures your heart. But what I got to say, watching all this stuff, you know, most recently, The Hunt for the Wilder People, which Sam Neill is in there with a Maori boy, and they kind of go off in the bush and are getting hunted down by family child services. Is Boy, which that is the one for me to give it the highest recommendation. Again, these are all funny films, but that one, a drama about a boy who has to confront the realities of his absentee father. He's created this great fantasy about him when he actually meets him. He's got to confront that. I may have teared up a little during that one. Wow, it's a drama then. Yeah, it's a drama, but it's funny. All his stuff is funny. He's got humor in all of it. And just the other thing is, again, these are all small independent films. Shark versus Eagle, that's also another funny one there too. But they're all independent films, but they look very professional. And again, he's shooting out in the bush. He's doing special effects with vampires. The werewolves aren't too great in that, what we do in the shadows. But he's able to make things look good with a little bit of money. So I'm guessing he can make things look good with probably a lot of money, or at least I'd hope. And to me, it makes sense when you look at Thor. Because honestly, if you look at the first two Thor films... All of us realized there were problems. I actually liked the humor of the original Thor more than you guys did. I think it worked better as a comedy than an action film. If I was Kevin Feige and I was looking at bringing back a Thor movie, two things would hit me. First of all is Thor worked so much better in both Avengers films than he ever worked in his solo films. And why is that? I rewatched Age of Ultron before coming in here. He's funny in Age of Ultron. They give him lines. You know, the best scene of Age of Ultron is where everyone's trying to lift his hammer and that facial expression he gives. The second thing I'd look at is they turned Thor into a space alien. And what is their current most successful franchise? Guardians of the Galaxy. And 
I got that vibe right from the first trailer. They're bringing in the Led Zeppelin. They're bringing in the neon colors. They're bringing in Jeff Goldblum to actually play <laughs> the character who is the brother of Benicio Del Toro's character from Guardians. It's not a cameo, which is a shock. I think that this makes a lot of sense as to keep it action, but make it funny and see if Thor works. And God knows, I don't think he's ever been funny, but Chris Hemsworth wants to be a comedian. I feel like, who, who did he play in Ghostbusters? He's bringing that character back. Yeah, that, and I saw him in the Vacation reboot, and... <laughs> He just walks around with a cucumber in his pants, or it may not be. That just may be Chris Hemsworth. And not to stereotype, but he's Australian. They're all funny down there. I yes. mean, a sense of humor dominates that country. Can we get a Crocodile Dundee reboot with him? <laughs> I'd be up for it. Don't say that. Yes, they will. Oh my God, you've doomed us. You've doomed us to a retrospective I've never wanted. What's interesting is it seems like Marvel didn't know what they wanted to do with Thor 3. Like, from what I read, they had like 10 or 11 ideas and they would bring directors in. They're like, okay, here's our ideas. Pitch something to us. And it was Waititi. He actually went the extra mile and like did a, a reel and everything. But he put a story together from all these different ideas. It was his idea to use Led Zeppelin to bring in the immigrant song. And I think there is an undertone of both ways you could take that song if you listen to the lyrics about people from the North, the Vikings coming in. But also, this is an immigration story, and I see hints of stories about Aborigines as well, and a lot of those things going on, coming from a Maori director. All right, Arnie, you watched Ultron again. I have not gone back to it, but my burning question was, when I realized I was coming back to watch a Thor movie, oh, about 72 hours ago, I was like, my God, I don't remember where we left this character off. And it's not just Thor, Hulk 2. They do a play for you. What my memory was, that Thor went off and took a bath, <laughs> and Hulk got on a plane and flew away away from Scarlett Johansson and we didn't know where he went and we've had five movies in between then to totally forget about what they were even supposed to do. And they changed that. The original ending of Age of Ultron, and I think I mentioned it back in that review, was Hulk was supposed to go into space. They were setting up Planet Hulk, but at the last minute, remember, there were a lot of arguments with Ike Perlmutter and Kevin Feige and Joss Whedon, how that was going to end. So it just ended with him flying off to regions unknown. They didn't make it space. This movie, we're going to find out he did go into space. As for Thor, I remembered he went and took a bath. That was my biggest memory as well, not because of the Hemsworth physique, but because why the hell did they put that in the movie? <laughs> yeah, Marvel demanded it to keep so, to, so Joss could keep the actual dramatic stuff in. Yeah, that was the trade-off. Joss was forced to put the bathtub scene in, and I remembered Visions of Infinity Stones. He left to go research the Infinity Stones. He was going to lead us into the Infinity War, the third Avengers film. So that's where they were left. Loki, last time we saw him, he was ruling Asgard under the guise of Odin. And that was even more movies ago, back with the Dark World. And I wondered if they'd pick that up. My big question was, who would be the returning players? They made an entire ensemble specifically for Thor films with the Warriors 3 and Sif and Odin, all these people on Asgard and Anthony Hopkins, he's still working, but I wondered if he would come back. I wondered if the Warriors 3 would come back. Bye-bye. They come back just to go away. Except for Sif. What happened to her? They don't even drop her name in this. They do drop her name in it. During the stage play we'll talk about, they say, Lady Sif, ah. call for help. And she goes, help, help. 
And that's it. Well, yeah, that was in the play. I'm talking about the actual character. I assume she's one of the slaughtered people here. They would have given her an on-screen death. Yeah, they... Perhaps she was savvy. She claims that because of her production schedule on Blindspot, her NBC hit TV series, or as much of a hit as NBC has these days, and they didn't give her any notice, she couldn't show up for the one day that everybody else did just to die. But Kevin Feige hints that there's future plans for Sif. So perhaps the best career move she ever made was unavailability here as everyone who comes back dies, including Odin. Yeah, it's a clean house. I mean, Asgard's gonna get cleaned out here. Yeah, immigrant story indeed. But I did see this movie twice. Thursday night, I went to what's called a fan event. And I'd not heard of this before. They're doing it also for The Last Jedi, so I think it's something maybe Disney is pushing down. These aren't marathons? No, they did not have Thor marathons that I saw. I remember for Thor 2, I saw in theaters in St. Louis, Thor 1, then Thor 2. For Cap 2, I saw Cap 1, Avengers 1, and then Winter Soldier. So they do the mini marathons, if not the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. But I think the fan event is replacing the marathon for... Last Jedi, I know they are doing a double feature of just Force Awakens and Last Jedi, or the fan event. What the fan event is, is first of all, a $25 ticket. Oh. They better give you, like, two hot dogs for that price. <laughs> you get a large popcorn, which admittedly is, like, close to $10. Yeah, that, that is 10 bucks right there. I got a collectible coin... I got a lanyard, which is just like the lanyards that they give you at the marathon. So I think it's trying to bring some of that marathon feel. And I got to see it an hour early. It started at 6 p.m. versus 7 p.m. for everybody else. The fan event did come with a bonus feature. I got to see something nobody else saw, and I was all excited about that. Until it turned out to be a five-minute interview with the composer. And it was kind of cool to hear him talk with the director about bringing out some of the synthesizers he hadn't used since the 80s. But really, that's what you get at a fan event? <laughs> I had hoped for more because when I go to the marathons, or even when I went to the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 premiere, which wasn't a marathon or anything, you usually had the theater owners or managers in there doing trivia, giving away prizes giving out posters. I had hoped for more of that kind of a feel. And really, I felt like I paid for the coin. But I'll see if they do it better for The Force Awakens. The worst part was, I had pre-bought my tickets. I drove 90 minutes each way for this fan event. Marjorie is like, panicking because there's no reserved seats. <laughs> she said on Saw she loves her reserved seats. What time do we have to get there? We get there at 5.05 for a 6 o'clock show. She's like, are we too late? Is it? Are we going to get good seats? This sounds like the olden days. It really does when you had to line up an hour early. We were the first people there. <laughs> yeah, it's a Thor fan event. Come on. We end up chatting with one of the employees who was really cool. And he was saying, we've only sold 19 tickets. So we put this in our smallest <laughs> screen. Ah. Oh, man. So no IMAX for you then. <laughs> More people did come in. It seems weird to me, but you actually can buy tickets when you want to see a movie instead of a week in advance. So we probably had about 30 people total in a theater that, according to the maximum occupancy sign, seated 217. So there was a lot of empty space. It was 3D, though, so I did get to see the 3D experience. I'll say something I never say. It was worth it. The 3D was good. Huh. Yeah, I, I saw this in 2D. I imagine it probably did look pretty good, but it was a pretty sold-out 
packed theater Thursday night, 8 p.m. in L.A. You know, I intentionally picked a theater that I'm surprised it hasn't been closed. Springfield has three <laughs> theaters, and this one is the sad one next to the really nice one. For like half a block, you can go and have a great experience. I figured the other one was going to be swamped with people, and yeah, it was just easy for me to go to the 2D show in an unpopulated theater, and that way I can turn my pages noisily and make as much noise as I want. And were you the only one there? There were eight other people. <laughs> That almost seems appropriate. I mean, when they were promoting this film, they did get it a real 80s vibe with the 3D logo and everything. So yeah, go to a little crappy theater that you'd find in the 80s to watch it. Yeah, that one was built in the early 90s. I remember that theater. It's the only one that gets art house films, though. That is the one thing that it has going for it. It's always those ones that get the art house films. But I did go back and see this again. I went back and saw this on IMAX on Friday. I got the 4 p.m. showing because the 7 p.m. showing was mostly sold out. And... The 4 p.m. showing was actually rather full. So if you didn't go to the fan events, and honestly, for 25 bucks for a coin, why would you? I mean, it's predicted to open well over $100 million. Yeah, I think that they created some good buzz with this by playing up the comedy. I mean, that line is the killer at the arena. You know, friends from work. We all know it. And yeah, I think people were excited to see it this weekend. Even in my theater of eight, people were happy to be there. No cosplay, though. <laughs> No, I didn't see any cosplay either time, but I think the 7 p.m. event would have been maybe more the place. There were, though, obviously Thor fans. You asked who the Thor fans were looking at the attendance of the Thor fan event. I was one of the very few males in attendance there. Yeah, that was my memory from the Dark World. I saw it at the Disney Theater, and it was predominantly women. And yeah, they were cosplaying as Loki and were really into it. They're going to be real disappointed because no Jane Foster. <laughs> that love story's gone. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention her in my They Built This Whole <laughs> Cast of Characters. Natalie Portman, why does she sign on? Every time I see her in a quote-unquote blockbuster or an event picture, I'm like, do you just need to pay the rent? Why do you do this? Because you hate it every time. She had a two-film contract. She didn't want to come back for Dark World. Can you blame her? No, I don't want to rewatch Dark World either, but it might have been better if she wanted to be there. She was one of the big problems with no, that movie. You always <laughs> want to make it about Natalie Portman. Phantom Menace, the biggest problem for you was Natalie Portman. She, she is a problem in those movies, but maybe not the biggest problem. No, she is no Jar Jar. <laughs> no. Don't give me that Natalie Portman has brought those prequels down. Speaking of Jar Jar, does Kat Denning not get to come back if Natalie Portman doesn't? I know. Kat Denning's TV show just got canceled. She needs the work, and I think she's somewhere off with Natalie Portman. She took the wrong side there. She was Team Jane. <laughs> the only one. All right, Arnie, you know what to do. Give us the plot, and we'll get into Thor Ragnarok. Can we play some Zeppelin in the background while I do it? Because I love that song. Loop that. Since last seeing Chris Hemsworth Thor in Avengers Age of Ultron, the God of Thunder has been scouring the cosmos looking for clues about the Infinity Stones, but also plagued by visions of Ragnarok, the prophesied destruction of his homeworld of Asgard, as seen in the hot tub scene in Ultron. The film starts with Thor being captive of Sartor, voiced by Clancy Jones, the being predicted to bring about that destruction, but Thor defeats him easily, while playing some Zeppelin. <laughs> Returning to Asgard, Thor realizes his father, King Odin, played by Anthony Hopkins, was replaced by his brother Loki, a returning Tom Hiddleston. 
So Thor reveals his brother's deception, and they go to retrieve Odin on Earth, where they find the old man to be dying, a result of Loki stripping his powers. Is that why he died? I thought these were continued injuries from Stonehenge when he did that flip (laughs) in Transformers. Ah, I thought he was just going to do his Odin sleep again, take a nap. (laughs) There's another one that shouldn't sign up for franchises. (laughs) (laughs) Felt very Yoda Return of the Jedi to me. We found you, just in time for you to flate away. But Odin had a secret. His eldest child, Hela, played by Cant Blanchett, is the goddess of death. She and Odin waged war upon the galaxy, conquering the Nine Realms, but then Odin decided to settle down and be a family man, and Hela wanted to continue to destroy, so Odin banished her. But with his death, she is able to return. She destroys Thor's hammer easily and throws Thor and Loki down the teleporting Bifrost Bridge, landing both on the planet Sakaar, under the rule of the Grand Master, played by Jeff Goldblum. Could have fooled me, I thought it was under the rule of James Gunn. (laughs) James Gunn brought Howard the Duck back, but it took Watiti to bring Man-Theme back. He's in there. (laughs) What? And Beta Ray Bill. Yeah, they got a monument to him. He was one of the former champions. I guess the Hulk killed him. And Bi-Beast. Gotta love (laughs) Bi-Beast. While Loki gains the Grandmaster's favor, Thor is captured by one of the Grandmaster's hunters, played by Tessa Thompson. He is then sent to fight in the pits against the Grandmaster's champion, who, if you've ever seen a trailer for this film, (laughs) you know to be the Hulk, played by Mark Ruffalo. But after the fight, Thor befriends Hulk and the Huntress, who it turns out is one of the fabled Asgardian Valkyrie warriors. Yeah, Huntress, that's a DC character, don't mix them. (laughs) Well, they don't give her any other name. Scrapper142. But she's a Valkyrie warrior, most of whom died fighting Hela back in the day. Thor labels this group the Revengers. Valkyrie starts a revolution of the Grandmaster's slaves as a diversion, and with the aid of Loki, they steal the Grandmaster's pleasure ship and return to Asgard. With Hulk back in his Bruce Banner form for the first time in two years, Banner fears if he hulks out again, there will be nothing of Banner left. But Loki stays behind, again having betrayed Thor. On Asgard, Heimdall, played by Idris Elba, he survives, he doesn't get killed quickly, (laughs) is trying to evacuate the survivors of Asgard through the Bifrost, but is stopped by Hela's warriors, including her new executioner Scourge, played by Carl Urban? That man's a chameleon! He sneaks into everything, and I never recognize him till afterwards. He's like many faces from He-Man. I don't know what it is with that guy. <laughs> he is. I watched this entire movie. Like, that guy's good. And then I see the end credits. Carl Urban's in this. He's in everything. You just never recognize him. Thor and Valkyrie fight through Hela's troops, and Banner chooses to hulk out once more to fight Hela's giant wolf Fenris. Loki even arrives with a ship that can evacuate the Asgardians and bring more warriors, but nothing can stop Hela. In one-on-one battle, Thor even loses an eye. He feels powerless without his hammer until a vision of Odin tells him the power is in him. Now able to wield lightning hammerless, he still can't stop Hela and realizes the only thing to do is bring about Ragnarok. Hela's power comes from Asgard. Only by the destruction of Asgard can she be stopped. Loki releases Satur from the vault while Thor and the others evacuate all Asgardians, Scourge redeeming himself through sacrifice to ensure everyone escapes. Sartor destroys the entire planet, including Hela, and Thor, now king of the Asgardians, if not of Asgard, decides Earth isn't good new home for his people. Don't tell Trump, they're just coming. (laughs) I think that's the point of it in this film. So they set course as credits roll 
to a mid-credits scene of a giant ship owned by Thanos stopping their travel. Ragnarok. Okay, I do remember back when I was steeped in all kinds of mythology back in grade school. This is historical to Norse mythology, right? There is an actual Ragnarok that's sort of like the apocalypse that sends everyone, I thought, to Valhalla. They don't teach Norse mythology like they do Greek mythology, at least where I went to high school. But yes, that's their end of the world, that the apocalypse for them is Ragnarok. And I know it from Marvel Comics. Yeah, it's always a thing in Thor comics. Oh, always. I never read that many Thor comics. It was mostly crossovers and things. But he was constantly talking about Ragnarok. And if we don't do this, it will cause Ragnarok. And always at the 11th hour, stopping Ragnarok until comic sales went way down. And in the 2000s, they actually had Ragnarok. They actually destroyed Asgard and Odin died and Thor lost an eye. And they went and lived in Oklahoma. I guess that's where they're headed here in this film. Yeah, it's strange to me that they picked something so epic. I mean, you might as well just slap Armageddon, Doomsday on this. And yet, this is going to be, by far, the most jokey Marvel movie of all, I think. Even more than Guardians. I agree. There's a lot of jokes here, but I think Thor needs a change. And what I wanted in the Thor movie, I said I said way back whenever that first one came out. When it comes to X-Men, they go into space a lot, and I hate that. But Thor... Put him in space. When he's on Earth, I I don't like Thor when I was reading the comics. So you take Walt Simonson's run, which they take a lot from here, a lot from the Kirby stuff. Put him in space. Just give him crazy adventures fighting crazy monsters. That's what I want. And hey, you can make it funny. That's cool. So I don't have a problem where they're going to go with here or that it's going to lead to Ragnarok because I feel... Thor, he's not the most popular in the cinematic universe. So why not? And that may be. It's just my expectations. You know, when you say, I'm going in thinking this is going to be an end of the world as Guardian nightmare. And there's going to be that element. There's going to be a high body count. This may also have the most kills of any Marvel movie. But it's strange that it's also the funniest. Again, I go back to where... Hemsworth may want to go with his career. Hemsworth wielded a lot of power, not just Mjolnir, but a lot when it came to the third Thor film. And I think it may be telling Marvel would want to keep its stars happy. There's a lot of talk every time. Is this Robert Downey Jr.'s last movie? Or are they going to bring an armored truck to his house again full of thousand dollar bills? Chris Evans has made very vocal statements about wanting to move on to more directing and not be in the tights so much. Hemsworth has been notoriously quiet. He seems happy to show up and make his money and keep going, but this time he did come in with some demands. He wanted to film in his homeland of Australia. He didn't want to go elsewhere around the world as needed to be an Australian production, which is told by its director, I think. They brought a lot of Australian flavor to it. It was an Australian and New Zealand film production. Yeah, what if Films is in here, as well as Lucasfilm. He also demanded to lose the wig. He hated the wig. <laughs> I knew there had to be a... I hated that wig, too. Look, they get rid of that greasy hair, and he gets to put on the Thor helmet, finally. That's a plus in my book. Yeah, it, this seems to be like when someone goes solo from a successful band. They want a new look. They want to establish themselves in a new way. This is all making a whole lot of sense, the changes that they do to the character. What's weird is I did see the footage from San Diego Comic-Con of Avengers. Infinity War and Thor had two eyes so I don't know if they're gonna have to CGI out an eye from that footage or what but (laughs) in the trailer they showed scenes where Thor only had one glowy eye in the trailer he had two so I think they've been hiding this for a while they knew they had to hide it 
Yeah, that's true. Maybe they knew they wouldn't want to do that makeup effect until after they've released this movie. So they were fooling everyone at Comic-Con. But no, I think when we look post Marvel's own Ragnarok, which is Avengers 4, at a brand new landscape where they're looking at Ant-Man and Doctor Strange and Captain Marvel to carry the torch, (laughs) keeping Hemsworth happy and trying to make this a flagship and not an also-ran is very important. So if he wants to be a comedian and you say Aussies are funny, then let's play to that and definitely Guardians, Guardians, Guardians. It can't be said more. I said during our Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 review, James Gunn is being put in charge of Marvel's Phase 4. He's going to set the direction that they would try to capture that success. And it just came through in the trailers, the multicolored universe, all of the purples and greens and neon. They brought in one of the members of Devo to do the score for this. Well, Mark Mothersborough has been doing scores for a very long time now. But yeah, it. you know what? I think Stranger Things stole from a lot of stuff, but I think he stole from Stranger Things. Every time I heard that electronic piece come in, it reminded me of the opening credits. Yeah, I got the Guardians right from the start because we're going to get a big bad here. It looks scary. You could certainly have played this creature for total terror. He looks like he'd bring up about Ragnarok. But he's made a joke. He's sitting on a throne of lava, wearing a big old crown that he claims once it touches the eternal flame will make him giant. And that's just fodder for Thor to riff and be funny. The chains thing was funny. The He keeps rotating in the chains. The opening where he's talking to a skeleton felt a little bit odd. I thought the movie might be a flashback. We start with him in a cage, and he's like, how did I get here? I was having dreams. Sometimes you have to be captured to get information. I thought he would be talking to someone and we'd flash back to him leaving Earth and Hela coming and destroying the hammer and all that because he doesn't have his hammer. And we've seen the trailers. We know what's coming. I thought that we might be starting mid-movie and then backstory to this place. But no, quite the opposite. This is just an opening teaser like Guardians 2 had. And I think it helps set the tone because I'm like, wow, this is super jokey right off the bat. I guess this is what they're going for. And Because I didn't think it'd be like skeletons, jaws dropping literally. And yeah, that turning around in the chains humor. It just, I'm like, wow, they really are going for something different here. But when that action kicks in, I love it. I thought we were getting a Fing Fang Foom cameo. There's a big dragon there. It's not Fing Fang Foom though. <laughs> it's just a big fire dragon. And the Zeppelin plays. I knew the Zeppelin was in the trailer, of course, but I didn't expect it to actually come into the movie. They do that all the time as they bring in songs for trailers just to set a mood. I thought Zeppelin set the Guardians mood, bringing some 70s rock into it. The Immigrant song, like Jacob mentioned, good song. And I just thought it made good for the trailer. But here, seeing Thor kick a ton of ass and making jokes... It instantly put me in a good mood. I went in worried. I went in thinking my last memory of this movie was from Doctor Strange. Of Doctor Strange saying, if I take you to your father, will you leave? I thought this movie was going to have like a half an hour of Doctor Strange and Thor walking (laughs) the streets of New York. So I came in arms pretty folded for what I thought this movie would be. Is that you dissing Doctor Strange then? I thought you recommended that movie. I did, but I don't want to see Doctor Strange and Thor walking the streets of New York. Okay, well, you will see that, but first he's got to get back to Asgard, and that's another joke, is that Heimdall is not at the controls, and we have this goofy Scourge guy who's bragging to women 
all the things that he's collected from Texas. Come on, Des and Troy, and when I put them together, destroy. But the shake weight, right? The shake weight. Yeah. I'm trying not to go through all the jokes like, Sarder, son of a bitch. I mean, there's so many funny lines. Look, Jeff Goldblum's going to call out what we've been saying about Asgard all along. It's a bad name. From the very first show where I mispronounced it as Asgard and Goldblum's going to go there and made me feel vindicated. I think this movie is 50-50. For half the jokes that work, half the jokes left me cold. You expect that when you ever have a ratio this high of humor and a movie this long, it's wearying. At a certain point, comedies are 90 minutes for a reason. You don't want a two-hour, ten-minute comedy because the audience can't hang with that. That's just too much. And this movie was supposed to be shorter. At Comic-Con, I believe they're saying an hour and 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. Shortest Marvel movie ever, they claimed. But they ended up saying they didn't want to cut all the jokes out. Mm. You know, that's why we got Blu-rays, right? You can put it all (laughs) on deleted scenes and it would play better. I'm going to just say right now, I had the same problems I did with Guardians, where like the joke ratio was, it was so intense that at a certain point I was just shutting down. And I just had to remind myself, you did end up liking Guardians. Just take a breather and realize that this is exhausting, but they're doing it well. These jokes are well played. They're well timed. They're all quality jokes. It's just the fact that they decided to keep them all in. That's the problem. I feel like when we get to Asgard, maybe because I'm, ugh, I want to go to space. I want to see that cool stuff I saw in the trailer. This whole play, like, again, it's funny. I didn't realize that was Matt Damon playing fake Loki. I had to go look that up because I'm like, that face, I know that face. I leaned over to Marjorie and I'm like, is that Matt Damon? He, I mean, laying down and things, he looked a little puffy. Maybe he had yes. gained weight for a role or something. But I, in the wig, I was like, is that Matt Damon? I can't tell Matt Damon when he changes his hair. <laughs> Watching Euro Trip, I didn't recognize him singing Scotty Doesn't Know here. I barely recognized him. That was also Luke. Luke Hemsworth playing fake Thor. Yeah, I knew it had to be one of the Hemsworths. And I think it's the stars of that last Watiti film, Hunt for the Wilder People. And there's a little blue kid. I assumed it was the child star from that movie. No, no, no. That child was a very big child <laughs> in the Hunt for the Wilder People. But Sam Neill, unrecognizable with that beard. When I watch Hunt for the Wilder People, I'm like, I know Sam Neill's supposed to show up. Wonder when it's going to be. <laughs> and then I realized that was him at the end. I read how they got Damon for this. Hemsworth and Damon, even though they've never worked together before, are besties now, and they go on family trips together and have just hung out since 2014, and Hemsworth called a couple of his famous friends for this. One couldn't make it, so they won't say who it was, but... Damon showed up, and it's a good laugh to see this Loki-ruled Asgard. And again, they set up so much in Dark World that I'm like, are we going to spend an hour or more dealing with Loki ruling Asgard? They're going to wipe the slate pretty clean pretty quick. When they bring up Jane Foster later, it's going to be, sorry she dumped you, that's it. And here... Five minutes and Loki's revealed. Even though I think this could probably be cut, it is a nice catch-up for those who didn't want to go back and see the first two Thor films or didn't see them. I know I took my family and they haven't seen the previous two. And this is going to tell you, hey, Loki is a shapeshifter frost giant baby that was adopted. It's going to catch you up on those first two films. Yeah, it works just as in that way. I think you're right. And it is a funny parody of the previous two movies as well. And, okay, so where is the real Odin? He's supposed to be at Shady Acres in New York, but that's getting the wrecking ball, and they have to go to Doctor Strange, as Arnie brought up. 
Well, Doctor Strange makes them come to him. I mean, Loki's going to disappear. I'm like, what's that? What's that? Oh, that's the Doctor Strange portal hole, isn't it? Yeah, I recognize the sling ring anywhere. But Doctor Strange, he's gotten better at magic since we saw him last. Now he's no longer having to make all those hand motions. He can fly and he can just teleport and refill beers. He's suddenly become so uber powerful. I think when Thanos shows up, Doctor Strange will just be like, goodbye and... Thanos goes away. <laughs> and they took that post credit scene in Doctor Strange just straight from this film, right? Like, it seems like they just replay that footage here, that that wasn't really a teaser. We're going to see... And look, I like the humor here. Every time Thor turns around, he's in a different room, and then he's got, you know, a tea and a beer, and then the beer's filling up. But I do feel like they just took that cut straight into the Doctor Strange one for their credit scene. Yeah, it was revealed that Takiki directed that scene for that previous movie. So it's exactly the same. Maybe there's a couple different cuts or something i'd have to watch them both at home but yeah virtually identical does thor disguise his hammer as an umbrella yes that's a callback to the comics originally in the when he was created he was a physician with a limp and he had a cane and he would disguise yeah his hammer in, would be that cane so i feel like that's a throwback to this but it's loki i think who does the illusions loki is the master of illusions when he takes them to earth loki's dressed as a witch like thor will call out in the all black suit and thor's dressed like a roadie with a jean jacket and an umbrella instead of his hammer. And... Are they supposed to be incognito? Like, no, because there are girls that pose for selfies, one of which is Chris Hemsworth's sister. Oh, I didn't recognize that. I don't know I've ever seen Chris Hemsworth's sister. He's got a very big family, it sounds like. Mm. But he's an Avenger. He's famous. So I think even without the cape and everything, certain people will recognize Thor. It's like me. I know I've walked past famous people on the streets of New York who I don't notice when they're not all made up and everything. But every so often I go, oh, look, it's Brian Williams. But eventually we get to Norway, which is the whole point. Odin is ready to tell them the plot of this movie is you have an older sister. And I don't want to deal with it because I'm old and I never liked this franchise. So I'm going to turn into dust. Yeah, you know what? Sure, you can be cynical, but I like Anthony Hopkins here. Maybe it's because he doesn't have to wear that silly armor. He's just in some, like, linen pants and a relaxing sports coat. Hey, listen, no, I'm sorry, Anthony Hopkins. Too many fava beans and Chianti because he's really gone Brando. Yeah, and after watching him flip around Stonehenge and Transformers this summer, it's just sad. <laughs> I feel bad for him. I used to like this guy. Can you remember the last time you loved Anthony Hopkins in a movie? I can't. Silence of the Lambs? Yeah, yeah he's got to go back decades. I thought he was good in Westworld. Eh, okay. But you know what? I'll, I'll say this. There's a lot of Shakespeare going on with the sister coming to be the rightful heir to the crown. Like, But I feel like this is better than Brana ever did it. Like these family moments. And I've seen Waititi, he knows how to do this in his films, have these dramatic moments. And so as funny as it's been, I feel like there's definitely a shift in tone here. And it, it does feel more somber. I disagree. I feel because the joke ratio is so high and they're pushing it so much, Thor is going to lose his father here and he barely has time to grieve because we're going to just move on to the next joke and the next big set piece. It really did feel like a very convenient death. I did reference Yoda already, but all those times where you just show up just in the nick of time and I'm going to die now because I need to set a plot in motion and the movie will be too easy if I stick around... Something like that. And in the comics, I can't count the number of times Odin has died. And then he comes back and he goes into Odin's sleep. Yeah, he's always coming back. He takes a nap. Yeah. yeah. But this time it appears they're going to change things for good, I think, in the Thor 
dynamic because they don't want to get actors back. They want to put Thor in a new place where he can carry his own movies. There's a lot of just the destroying of the Thor lore that they built. Odin dies, so there go both parents. They killed the mother last time. I just did feel like each movie's checking off mistakes Branagh made. Or just people that I feel like Infinity War is going to take out a lot of old players just because that's what they got to do. They want an in-universe explanation for why these actors are never coming back. Thor's hammer, though. That was the big one to me. I knew from the trailer the hammer got destroyed. Didn't you figure at the end the hammer was coming back? Yeah, I figured he's got to get his hammer back. That's what Thor is. Like, when he's summoning light, well, he's the god of thunder. I never realized he needed his hammer to make that happen, but I guess that's what they're telling us. Yeah, it's the ruby slippers from Wizard of Oz <laughs> answer when we get to the end. But let's just talk about our villain, our villainess, as it were, Kate Blanchett. Boy, you say Disney is owning this property. Why isn't she in Maleficent? I mean, she is clearly channeling the Disney princess villain. Yeah, absolutely, with that helmet and everything. But she looks great in this movie the way they made her up i prefer her when she has the stringy 80s rocker hair versus that kind of silly helmet i could never figure out why she had one and then the other well i gotta say i love that she has the helmet they go for that comic book look and maybe because we're 17 movies into the marvel universe they feel more comfortable just mimicking the comics now the color palettes the designs we'll see a lot of kirby designs when we get to one of the planets here i just like that they are willing to go crazier and with thor that's kind of what i want because he just fights weird monsters so i want everyone to look kind of crazy so i like it when she's got her weird horned helmet going. No, I love her look, and I love this actress, but this is a rather thin villain. I mean, you know, she monologues it again and again through the second act of this movie, that basically she knew Odin back when he was conquering the Nine Realms and laying waste a whole lot of people, that she knows the dark side of how Asgard got built, and that's what she wants to return to. She's mostly a bad Marvel villain and a history of bad movie villains for Marvel. I like that she's campy. At least she's fun in that way, and I feel she's as, as important as, like, the those gold people in Guardians of the Galaxy 2 <laughs> were as villains. This is more of a buddy road trip movie. And so, yeah, they have that going on to push the climax at the end. But her story isn't really that important. She's going to hate to hear that because she helped o Odin and everything, but she's not that important. No, I thought she'd play a much bigger role the way she was played up in the trailers. I thought she was bringing Ragnarok. Yeah. I thought she was going to destroy it all. Yes, that is the confusion I have, is that she's not ending things by coming through the palace and destroying murals and killing people. She really is... Yet another lame Marvel villain who's just here because she wants to rule the cosmos. The one I'd put her on par with, quite honestly, is Ronan from Guardians of the Galaxy, who was there to put a lot of events into motion and to conquer the galaxy and to kill a lot of people and feel dangerous. Ronan was boring, though. At least Kate Blanchett here is fun to watch when she is on screen. Yeah, that I will not take away from her. She's fun to watch. She's given nothing to do. I can't believe that we're going to spend so much time with Thor and Loki apart from her, having a totally different movie that, frankly, when we get back to her, you've forgotten. She's tried. You know, she will continue to have, for the middle of the movie, a dialogue with Scourge. 
that goofy guy at the beginning is going to become her executioner, and she's going to just basically try and keep up with the joke telling. She's not as funny a joke teller is the problem. No, she, whenever she tries to dehumor, I'm like, oh, she gave it her best there. Nice try. You don't quite got that comedy thing down. I could tell, you know, with a comedian, it, those jokes just seem seamless with her. They feel like a lot of effort was put behind to try to get it down right. And she shouldn't be funny. I mean, she should be the thing that's anchoring this movie in something more substantial. You know, this is the scary part. You want to fear her. And unfortunately, we spend so much time with her just kind of walking around the kingdom twiddling her thumbs. You're not afraid that she's able to take out the Warriors 3? Oh, boy. I can imagine this phone call. Hey, Ray Stevenson, Zachary <laughs> Levi, are you free to come down to Australia? It's time for Thor. You're here for two hours. Just fall over. You don't even get a line. Just fall over. Part of me wondered after seeing it the first time, did they just take some blue screen footage of them from a previous movie and find a way to manipulate it? But no, I think this is some payback, right? Zachary Levi was just... Just announced to play Shazam over at DC. Well, he may want to come back as a Warrior 3 then. No one wants Shazam. <laughs> uh, be that as it may, I don't even really know who that is. I think it is that they're backing away from anything that might make people want to cry or feel something dramatic here. That Although there's going to be mass carnage here... And it's real people dying. I mean, it's worth saying that a lot of times these things that when they're killed in mass, it's lava creatures or what have you. But these are real Asgardians that are going to, she's going to magically throw spears in them and they fall down dead, but they don't want us to experience it as a Holocaust. And so they quick cuts and yeah, you barely notice when major characters from previous films are dead. I have to believe I have to believe they filmed some dialogue for these guys. Maybe when Thor returns, they walked up and, I mean, useless scenes like, oh, it's so good to see you again, my brother at arms. Something like that, like we had in Thor 1 and Thor 2. Or maybe they sat around and talked with Scourge about the mess he made when the dragon's head came through. Something like that. But you don't bring these guys who are real working actors to the set literally to put in costume and to fall over that is so disrespectful yeah there was the one that actually gets to lead the army and fight for a little bit hogan i don't know why they love hogan so much but in the last film remember <laughs> he was leading a war while the other two warriors were sitting back home and this time hogan is going to again stand against hella he's the one who gets the most dramatic a death because he actually gets to speak whereas if you weren't looking for the Warriors 3, you wouldn't even notice when Volstag and Fandral fall over any more than any other Asgardian. But truthfully, I do think Disney pushed a little bit of content in this one. I think, again, with Guardians, they pushed the envelope a little bit. The way Yondu killed so many people, bloodlessly, but tons of carnage with his arrow in Guardians 2. The Jackson Pollock painting joke from Guardians 1. We're gonna get an orgy reference here. Yeah, it's worth pointing out, even though they're going for more humor, it's not making it more kitty. These are a lot of blue jokes that they're gonna throw at us. We get to see Hulk butt later. Yeah, so it's it's teenagers. It's made for the PG-13. It is for the 13 and older kids. The ones who listen to our podcast where we have an entire long conversation about Hulk cock. <laughs> but Scourge, yeah, he's like, I'm just the janitor. He does become the executioner. I know Scourge from the comics and the action figures. I have an action figure of Scourge. I knew him as a Thor baddie, but... 
I could tell they were softening him here. Oh, they were definitely trying to set him up to become like a fallen hero by the end, I felt. He's going to be called an executioner. I don't know why Hella picked him, because he don't want to execute. They have one scene where a woman that I don't think we're supposed to know, he may know her, I don't know. Some blonde is thrown out in the middle of the public square, and he's about to raise his axe down on her. But Someone snitch. Yeah, Luke Hemsworth speaks up and mentions that Hemdall is in this movie. Barely. Idris Elba, he had said previously, and let's face it, his star has risen since the first Thor film. He was a name in Thor 1 and very underutilized. By Thor 2, it was like Idris has better things to do. And then Dark Tower came out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's going to think twice about going on his own now. I think they looked at the Thor universe and said, who do we want to keep and who do we want to kill? Zachary Levi? Nobody's coming to this movie for Zachary Levi. Idris Elba has a fan following. Let's give him something to do at least and be able to keep him for future films. So he's going to lead the resistance and steal the Bifrost sword. So... It really took me two viewings to fully grasp what Hela wanted beyond just destruction and to rule Asgard. But the sword becomes the MacGuffin. That's because it'll allow her to get off of Asgard and conquer more realms, which is she wants to continue the bloody work that Odin started and then abandoned for peace. I do think Hela, like her point is, uh, we got all this PC whitewashed history. Let's get back to our roots. You know, like people today, let's embrace our Southern war general statue. There is something going under all this. Maybe the acting's not the best or this villain's not the best, but I do feel like, and maybe because it's a, a First Nation director, Maori director coming to this, they do want to talk about these ideas of, well, what happens when the, the people want to embrace like this bad history? History instead of, like, yeah, want to ignore it like Odin did. Make Asgard great again? I mean, yeah. I'm- yeah, I was thinking it. I was wondering if that line would be said. She makes a tweet. She actually stands there, and you could just hear Trump say this. Good soldiers dying because they couldn't see the future. Sad. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. That is... Very much like what we hear out of the White House these days. I don't think they want to push it too much. I mean, this is not a Trump skewering. No, not too much. But I do think that, yeah, we are in a time where we're at a crossroads, at least here in America and maybe throughout the world, about trying to decide what kind of world we want to live in. Are we thinking retro? Are we going to be more open with our borders? And some of that plays in here. Not enough for my taste. But yeah, I do think that that is a factor. I think there's stuff in here to make it interesting that she's going to use an army from the past, a resurrected army, that even Jeff Goldblum, he doesn't want to say slavery. No, it's prisoners who work. (laughs) It does feel like it's trying to say something about how people are trying to whitewash what's really going on and and all that. Yeah, no, there is some timeliness to it, and I do appreciate, believe me, those are the things I cling to with the superhero movies. I believe they're at their best when they commentate on our world. It's great to create fantastical realms, but if they have nothing to say about the world that I'm in, I tend to care less about them, because I don't want to live in another realm. I live here. Speaking of other realms, most of this movie is going to be spent on Sakaar. Yeah, so Planet Hulk was a whole series. Hulk, I'm not going to get into all the reasons why, but he basically gets shot into space by Iron Man and Reed Richards and some other people because he's deemed too dangerous. And he lands on this planet Sakaar where he's made into a gladiator and eventually rules it and some bad stuff happens, which leads into World War Hulk, which is fantastic. But this is all from Hulk mythology or the Hulk comic books. Here's what I found really It made me happy going into this. Kevin Feige came out and said, listen, Universal isn't selling us the rights to Hulk. And Ruffalo even said, I don't know why the people at Universal don't want to make money. But Ruffalo 
also an actor who you don't want to underutilize. You want to keep him engaged. You want to keep him coming back. And you can't make him a star. So he and Feige sat down. Feige said, what would you like to see this character do? Where would you like to take them? And they came up with an idea for a Hulk movie that they split into thirds and is going to be over the next three films. This is part one of three of the Hulk movie. That, that explains why they don't, you know, he has this whole worry about being stuck as the Hulk and they don't resolve that at the end. So, okay. So that's to be resolved in other people's movies. Yeah, I think that's actually really cool, though, that the Hulk fans are going to be serviced if we can't sit down and just watch a Hulk film that he's going to get a significant subplot that's going to be an arc over several episodes. Yeah, three tickets instead of one being sold. Great idea. Disney, you're geniuses. <laughs> I did say episodes. I didn't say movies. Yeah, and th thinking with that TV mentality, which as they're building this universe, it's kind of what they're doing. This is one of those placeholder episodes, right? The fact that we're going to go to Sakaar and spend so much time getting away from Jeff Goldblum, entertaining though it may be, a lot of good jokes here, it's just filler. I can't believe so little of it has to do with the Infinity Stones and anything that they're building towards in two movies. I mean, we've talked about this before. Why isn't every film an Avengers film? Why don't the Avengers show up every time to solve whatever the problem is? Because that would make more sense. Because we are 17 movies in, I did start creating like categories. I'm like, okay, you have your Marvel origin stories. You have the Avenger films, which are the crossovers. But yeah, you do get these films. I think Iron Man 3, again, they try to tie it into other stuff. But I feel like besides the Captain America ones, which seem to be their fake Avenger movies, where they bring them all together and those kind of guide the universe. Yeah, they do have fillers. But you know what? These are the kind of issues of Thor that I did like. We're the crazy, just again, space adventures. So I'm reacting well to this. I'm going to argue against the use of the word filler. If a movie is enjoyable and standalone, it's not an Avengers film. If an Avengers film came and was all about Jeff Goldblum, that would seem like filler. But here, you've got to make each series work on its own. And that's what makes the crossovers so big. If the only thing that matters is the crossovers like Civil War and Avengers, then yeah, it's not leading to something. But you've got the destruction of Asgard here. You've oh. got a, the killing of many Thor characters. And you're telling me this is a movie about Ragnarok then? That Ragnarok is really about that apocalyptic, we've got to stop it event. Oh, Stuart, I hate to tell you this. Don't ever watch Armageddon because it's there's a lot of jokes and not a lot of Geddon going on. <laughs> I'm just, maybe I stand alone in this. But to me, Sakaar feels like an hour and a half stalling until we give you a passable climax of Ragnarok. And that this movie is not a standalone adventure about Ragnarok, nor does it advance us towards Infinity War. And my complaint's going to be that there is so much setup in this movie. Both times I saw it, I checked my watch because we spent 30 minutes till Hela shows up, right? It's just, where is Thor now? Where did he go after Avengers? Loki is Odin. Odin's on Earth. We spend 30 minutes doing cleanup, and we go to three different planets in 30 minutes. Then Hela shows up, and for 30 minutes, we have Hela taking over Asgard, killing people, recruiting Scourge, and Thor getting to and fighting Hulk. And that's an hour. That's a lot of movie. And by the end of that first hour, every time I'm like, Wow, I feel fulfilled and I'm not bored, but I feel like this movie's really long. And then both times the second hour flew by. But the setup to get there, whew. See, because I guess I'm having a good time. The jokes are mostly working. It's moving by quickly for me. And it's here where they prepare Thor for battle. He gets his weapons. He gets his haircut. And if they're going to do the haircut, 
the long flowing locks are as much of a trademark of Thor as his hammer. I could see comic people, well, they were upset when the trailer came out. Were they? Man, they'll get upset over anything. I guess you got to bring out the creator of the comic book Thor character to say, hey guys, it's okay. Hey, he does a pretty good fade. Stan Lee shows up as this barber with this crazy mechanized device. He puts some lightning bolts in his hair. Yeah, I thought it was fun. One of his better ones. Did he really do it? I, this scene, because that... It, <laughs> Is it just his head on a CGI body? <laughs> I think it's his head on a CGI body. And it makes me wonder... Knowing Stan Lee is getting up there in years, his wife just passed, knowing they filmed several cameos in advance against a blue screen just so they have them. Will they keep doing this after he dies? Will they just CGI Stan Lee in and take lines? I mean, the guy's on tape saying so many lines over his life. Will they just get his estate or him himself to agree? I'm in every Marvel movie forever and I don't even need to show up. Yeah, I'm sure with that Disney money coming in, his estate will be happy to oblige. Yeah, I think eventually all actors will be in a database somewhere and can be pulled out at any time. What's weird, though, is because we all saw that trailer, we all know the Hulk is showing up. When Grandmaster shows up, that seems prolonged, like, ooh, we have this champion, they're going to tease this grand champion. We all know it's the Hulk, just get to it. The fact that that's drawn out, that did kind of annoy me. Could you imagine how amazing this movie would be if they hadn't spoiled that in the trailer. Yes! If you just watched an hour of Thor movie and then Hulk ran in, we would be cheering with Thor that, yes! But they have to sell it, they have to market it, they ruined the biggest twist of this movie, which is Hulk shows up. But we gotta get through Sakaar. We spent a lot of time on Sakaar. We're introduced to that Scrapper 142. When Thor shows up on this planet, I thought we were in Transformers the movie, and these were the Junkions. I was ready for <laughs> B-Wop Mini Bob and Dare to be Stupid. I was going back to Blade Runner 2049. I'm like, more junkyard fights going on? I thought this might be a sneaky little dig at Disney. You know, it is kind of like Epcot Center. He comes riding in on this chair strap there and they're playing the Willy Wonka song or whatever but it's a land of misfit toys it's basically discarded things being given new purpose by Grandmaster wormholes empty out onto the planet and they take that crap and do what which look maybe that's Disney it feels a little bit mythic to me though like almost Toy Story on the second viewing I caught that that voiceover I was that voiceover actress somebody I felt like the voice was clear enough and emphasized enough that that would be somebody. But they say that this is the collection point for lost and unloved things. And so, yes, all those toys you used to play with and disappear, they went here. Engine parts go here. I was looking for a mountain of socks, because you always lose those on the dryer. I know! I was too! All <laughs> the left foot socks are there. And Hulk goes there, and that seems fitting both for the character and for the property. <laughs> Hulk is the least loved... Marvel just re-released every Marvel Cinematic Universe film with new covers. I noticed this. But they didn't do one for Hulk. Yep. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's universal. Maybe they don't have the home video rights. But you want to talk about discarded and unloved things. It feels like Hulk is it. And you're talking about Edward Norton, Incredible Hulk, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Not, no one, Eric Bano, we're not, <laughs> not even pretending we care about that. But for Thor to go there because he's been usurped. Hela is the rightful heir to the throne. 
and Valkyrie is what I call her in all my notes, the 142. Yeah, 142 is a reference to when Valkyrie showed up in the comics. Oh, issue 142? Yes. But it wasn't Tessa Thompson. I love Tessa Thompson in this movie, though. We talked about her in Creed, Jacob, and I thought she was really good in that. I thought she really would go on to something. I haven't seen her much since, but she's worked a lot. She's so good in this. She's so fun. I love her smiles. I love her drunkenness. Yeah, Sif who? This is way better than Sif ever was. And I'm having the opposite feeling of like, oh, you so want to be Gamora, don't you? Well, you're not. (laughs) Well, I did call this as Guardians of the Galaxy, and let's face it, Thor is Star-Lord, she's Gamora, Hulk's Groot, Loki is Drax. Sure. And Scourge is Yondu. Yeah, I I see it all. (laughs) I think Korg is Rocket. What's Batista? I said Drax. I said that uh, it was Hulk. No, I thought he was Groot. Yeah, you're right. Hulk is Groot. But he also has a bit of Drax with him. With the... I thought Drax... Well, anyway, the fact that we're having this debate is just <laughs> underlining the point that I'm having. This is Guardians of the Galaxy not done as well. See, and I, I would say the opposite. I like it more than Guardians of the Galaxy. That Let me come down the middle. It's better than Guardians 2, but not as good as Guardians 1. Guardians feels like it's trying to be goofy characters. Here's Star-Lord, and he's just a dude with a leather jacket. It just seems to be trying harder, where Thor... It, this, to me, seems more effortless in their comedy, though, where it's just, hey, we're on a wacky planet. I mean, look, Jeff Goldblum, I, you don't try harder for comedy than if you cast Jeff Goldblum, I guess, but that aside... He always plays Jeff Goldblum anymore, but I like what that is. He's better than Benicio Del Toro. He has more time than Benicio Del Toro. This is what I wished Benicio Del Toro had been in Guardians, but everything you said, I feel the opposite of. I feel like Guardians... You know, and it took me a while to come around to that. I had to watch it a second time in order to get to the flow, but it felt like it created its own universe. Here, Hemsworth is not as good as Pratt, and everyone just because they're made to look like those other characters, they're suffering. They don't have their own movie. This is not about Ragnarok. This is about chasing after Guardians dollars. But it's a fun time doing it, is my thing. I like the Guardians films, and so if you're going to go for that vibe, that is good to me. I think Hemsworth finally works at humor. Goldblum, I really do like him with the melty stick, and it makes no sense why he melts his cousin in this movie. <laughs> no. If you're going to cut a single scene, you cut that one, except for the fact that it's funny that they're joking about the smell of burnt toast. There's also apparently, and I'm not an Aussie, but one Aussie listener, Scott, wrote in, there's a lot of jokes and Australian references going on in these scenes. There's Topaz. She's, I guess, the opposite of 142. She's the one that carries the melting stick. She's been in Watiti's films before. Apparently, this actress is absolutely beloved down under she had a similar role in hunt for the wild people and tell her she's dreaming has become one of the culture now i mean i think that's just a standard phrase but according to scott that's a phrase from a 90s aussie film the castle that has been brought back in culture thanks to this actress i mean even the design valkyrie ship is in the colors of the maori flag grandmaster ships is in the colors of the aboriginal flag in australia so again i feel that influence here both uh, on a political level and yeah just on a cultural level yeah apparently a lot of the minority groups there like the maoris are represented and the grandmaster ships are all australian car brands 
But I'm enjoying these scenes even without getting those references. My favorite character in this whole movie, though, and I never thought I'd like him. I've never read him in a comic. I do have two action figures of him, though. Korg. (laughs) But yeah, I don't think he talks like that, like a high-pitched Kiwi. No, that's actually the director's voice. Yeah, I know know his voice, but yeah, I don't think in the comic he was supposed to be comedic like that, but yeah, he was cracking me up. And apparently that is just the stereotypical Maori bouncer. Every bar you go to that's a Maori bar has this bouncer that's big, tough, can kick your ass, but always just soft-spoken and really polite. Yeah, very laid back and chill. He makes a reference. He's like, here's a three-pronged fork. I guess that'd only be good to kill three vampires. I'm guessing that's a reference to what we do in the shadows. Huddle together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff from Korg. I just, every time Korg's on screen, I'm laughing. I want a Korg spinoff. I really, really want one. <laughs> Maybe Cor could join the Ravagers with his bug friend. We'll get that spinoff with <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> that end joke, I, I stepped on him. I think he's dead. I'm just carrying him around. Oh, you're alive. What was your question? Korg <laughs> for the win. I could tell Stuart is not amused. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm kind of sitting here like I did through the movie going, yep, that's some humor. I, to me, it's too much. It's not that it's bad jokes. It's that I can't believe they've seeded the floor to all of this humor. I felt like that was the strange choice of Guardians. I think it's even strange with Thor, who doesn't have to be played for last. I just want to say, if you look at Norse mythology, you could play it straight. You could play it like Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings, but they just could never figure that out. So they just threw up their hands and said, let's be stupid. And I think that is part of this director. Hunt for the Wilder People is mostly like a family adventure drama, but he makes a cameo in it and it's so out there trying to be funny. I'm like, this doesn't fit the rest of the mood. So I, I think he likes to bring that humor in so maybe that's the problem you're having is he that is his style and you you want something more straightforward for me i feel like they throw out a lot of jokes they mostly work for me i'm having a good time i like that they're incorporating kirby's designs doing a lot of these aliens on this planet it's as a comic book fan i just love how this pops more than well we'll talk about justice league soon enough but this feels like it's from the pages of a comic and i'm enjoying that finally we've embraced that aesthetic we're not trying to put them in all darker clothes to make them grim and gritty jokes like this would kill even more if you had them less frequently and in between other things so that you could actually be surprised when every line is the same style of joke it wears you down and you hated the first two Thor films when he was being more serious. He was not being more serious in Thor. That was also just, they were supposed to be doing Shakespearean and then they realized when they got to Earth, fish out of water. All right, Thor the Dark World. That was not good either. They need to find something for Thor that works and I think this works. It doesn't matter what your expectations of what Thor should be are. This is what Thor is now and I'm going with it. Yeah, it does matter what your expectations are because you're going to be disappointed if you wanted a serious Thor movie. No one's wanted a serious Thor. That's why those two films aren't good. I think you guys are asserting something that is opinion and not fact. But they could have made it work. They're not going to try to make it work. They know those Thor films aren't the most beloved. They would have gone in that direction if that was working. You're acting as if it was the drama that failed them. What failed them was bad writing. And that's why those previous Thor movies 
didn't work. Maybe I stand alone in this. I just feel like they never really tried that hard to make this character not be goofy. He's always been played as a joke, and now by the third film, they've just decided we're not even going to try to tell a story. Yeah, but that's always been his background, that he's kind of a callous, jokey asshole. I mean, that was the whole point of him having to earn the hammer. There's not a story here. There is a Disney cartoon about learning where your power is here. And it's a road movie trying to get back to save Asgard, to save the lives. I feel they have completed an arc in a Thor trilogy. Because in that first film, we first see Thor. All he wants is the throne. He's entitled. He's cocky. He just wants the throne. The second movie, he comes to terms with what he really wants is love. And in the third movie... He doesn't want the throne. He wants to be the protector. I like that a couple times, even though both times it's for jokes, it's that's what heroes do. He wants to save lives. He is responsible now. We've seen him mature. And when he is going to end this movie becoming a king, you feel he's earned it. I think that there's a plot behind these jokes. There's emotion behind these jokes. And yet I'm laughing all the time. I don't have to have tears coming down my face and white knuckle for there to be a plot. I mean, you call it Disney, and yeah, maybe, but I like that these are characters that have issues they have to overcome. Valkyrie, we find out, betrayed her culture. She went against the Valkyrie code and left them, and she's going to embrace that again. Banner has this fear that he might get stuck in the Hulk forever, and he's going to have to confront that to be the hero. So yeah, is this PG-13? You're right. that It's the right rating. It's a Disney film. It's essentially, it's a comic book film. It's not Nolan. I'm going with it, though, because it's working on the level it wants to play at. I just didn't feel like you guys were saying this during Homecoming. That's all I'm saying is that Ant-Man, Homecoming, you guys seem to find these problems as well. But because Thor, maybe you have no love for the character, you're happy to see him play the fool. I have no love for Ant-Man either. But yet, I think that those jokes were played for a five-year-old level. We were all surprised there was a 13 in that PG-13 rating. Here, they've got the humor ratio down right, and they've got somebody telling better jokes. And Stuart, you said it's about expectation. When I watch a Thor movie or read a Thor comic... The soundtrack should be like interchangeably between like Slayer and Led Zeppelin. That is the right tone. Yeah. That is my expectation. And so I am getting that here. I'm getting what I want out of a Thor film and I'm responding well to that. Those other two trying to have Thor on Earth who cares? That's boring. He's a cosmic character. Have him fighting dragons. If we had Ant-Man fighting a dragon, that would probably improve that movie. I don't think I'm advocating getting him back to Earth. I'm saying getting him back to Asgard quicker. I mean, if this is Ragnarok and we're trying to save those people, that's where the fight should be. That we spend most of this movie on a garbage planet trying to get in a ship and convince Hulk to come along, to me, is a mistake. But I like that we get the Hulk movie here. Hulk shows up. That line, he's a friend from work, it was actually written on the set by a Make-A-Wish child whose wish was to go to that set. And he came up with the line, they filmed it, and it turned out to really work and fit with the tone of the movie. And that's a good fight. I like this fight. It goes back and forth, and Thor gets his hammer back to a degree. I did like that... Hulk comes out with a hammer and an axe, and Thor gets the hammer and uses it to kick some ass. Again, this fight's pretty cool. I like the shock when the Hulk first gets hit and, like, goes around the rings, crushing the bleachers. Like, there is some shock that he could actually be hurt. All right. 
I'm laughing a lot in this film every time Thor's like, hey, big guy, sun's getting real low. <laughs> That's what Black Widow did, right? Yes. To calm him down? Okay. I, I was trying to remember that. But it felt really romantic when Black Widow yes. did it. Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> yeah, Scarlett Johansson does it. It comes off very different. <laughs> doing it. The one thing I don't like is they telegraphed how Thor was going to react because they cut to this close-up of Hemsworth with this silly ass grin on his face i'm like oh that grin is too stupid and then they play the slamming of thor the way he slammed loki at avengers and loki i love how loki gets excited (laughs) about that yeah that's what it feels like and when loki sees hulk he didn't know that was the champion i gotta get off this planet i forgot about that i forgot their interaction and that loki reacts the way he does is such a great callback Yeah, there's a ton of jokes, and you guys are saying it's so great that we're spending all this time doing that and not at Ragnarok. Yeah, there's a lot of just wacky space adventures, and if... Again, this is, feels like a road trip movie, but it's in space with superheroes, and so that's my expectation. I, I, yeah, you, if you want to get back to Ragnarok, it is the end of the world. I mean, we are going to get there. That is always Thor's motive, is to get a spaceship, and they finally do that so they could get back to Asgard. And Valkyrie has a backstory that she's really old, basically. She's older than Thor. She was there when Odin and Hela were doing their business, And we get this beautiful, almost like a mural shot of her basically not dying because the spear meant for her was taken by another woman. Maybe a lover? I don't know. I kind of got a... Did you get a lesbian thing? They made a reference to her being bisexual. That got cut. Yeah, there was a woman coming out of her bedroom. Apparently, Valkyrie, who's a very different character on the page, is bisexual. So they were... She was playing her as bisexual. It's there if you want to smell it. I mean, if you want to ignore it, it's also not there. But I got the sense that, that, yes, she was in this... It's painful her to think about because she lost a lover, is the way that it plays like. And now she's this drunk character that needs to be redeemed. Does she get that in this movie? I I think she does. She goes back and... Yeah, I think by putting the outfit back on and returning to Asgard to fight for it, that's her redemption. Again, I just feel like these things are airbrushed on. That There's not enough there there. I get what they're trying to do, but just having a mural and like that's what the old time was, wasn't enough for me. And that would have... That's a perfect time to take a pause on the jokes and give us substantial scenes showing us how Hela is scary. I like some of the visuals Taika's bringing in here. The scene where Thor is jumping at all those people on that first planet, it reminds me of the 300, the way there's like a pile of people and the slow motion and things. I think he can do the action filming really well. And I think here, where all the Valkyries are dying, it's really epic. And it reminds me of the painting, the murals on the throne room of Asgard ceiling there, because Even when we see those, they move. They're more magical paintings. And Valkyrie's a more minor character, but I I like her playing with Hulk. Hey, big guy, what are you up to? Winning. And the way she pals around with him. And I think they had a couple looks. There's that moment where they jump on the ship where she and Thor land a little too close to each other. I think they're playing up possible of romance there. Yeah, I definitely think they're doing that. And they're playing up the joke that for much of the movie, she doesn't realize that the green guy is also Banner. Because Banner, at one point, once they finally get to the jet, he sees 
All it takes is footage of Scarlett Johansson for the two years of Hulk to end. And Hulk got a makeover for this film. Maybe it's because he was Hulk for two years. He looked different. His chin is different. They grayed his hair because Ruffalo's gone gray. Yeah, the Cro-Magnon forehead is gone. The nose is gone. The skin color's different. It's a very different looking Hulk and a lot more Ruffalo. And Hulk talks. We've never had that in a Marvel movie outside of smash or puny god i think they're heading towards the smart hulk i know that they did that eventually and all of this talk about i'm afraid if i turn back into him that will be the end of banner i think that they're eventually going to stick with just a motion capture hulk and we'll never see mark ruffalo the actor again I don't agree necessarily with that, but they're certainly teasing something going on here. I like Hulk's attitude. He is very childlike when he and Thor are having their back and forth and Thor go and then laughing so hard when Thor gets electrocuted. I like this kind of, it's almost a level of abuse, but the way Hulk likes to play with people. You don't think Ruffalo's getting a little too old for this? That by having a mocap, they can always keep him in character, whereas if they had to show him, he'd start to look like Roger Moore in View to a Kill? He does look very gray in this film. (laughs) They could have chosen to dye his hair and play down that, but... I'm seeing him at a convention this weekend. I'm going to Rhode Island to get his autograph. I'll be able to report back on Facebook from that con how he looks in person, but he did look so much older than the last time we saw him, which was only a couple years ago in Age of Ultron. Yeah, I mean, he's middle-aged, and, you know, he does other things. He's a dramatic actor. I'm just thinking in the future, it would make sense just thinking about how to keep Hulk love lasting would be to, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to do it. Make him a CGI character, yeah. I think that he will just be Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo will continue to do him, but he will have the PhDs and be the smart guy that maybe gets angry, too. Maybe sometimes loses it and changes color, but will always be the big muscle-bound Hulk that we know. It would be an interesting way to go. I'm, I don't see that going that way, but I didn't see them taking away Thor's hammer permanently either and <laughs> taking away his eye. So they're not afraid to change the status quo. God knows Hulk has had so many versions in the comics. Smart a couple of times. Able to change at will. There's been a werewolf where he changes with the moon. They could go anywhere with him. But I actually prefer my time with Mark Ruffalo versus Hulk. I like the banner in this movie. I like when he's freaking out and he's like, you are only using me to get to the Hulk. That's disgusting. And Thor, you know, he it's a joke. He played it with Hulk. Oh, I hate Banner. Oh, numbers, science. And then he's like, oh, I hate Hulk. Smash everything. And Banner is proving he can be useful without being the Hulk. He's scared the next time he becomes the Hulk, it's going to be permanent. Maybe it is. We'll talk about that last transformation, but he's going to be Banner for a very long time and actually useful in this final planning to escape off the planet. Well, he flies the ship. He doesn't even have a PhD in that. (laughs) Yeah, but the person that gets the ship is Loki. Where are you guys on this character? You know, he's certainly played both sides. He's been super villain and then redemptive character, and people seem to think that he's funny and good-looking and charming. It eludes me. The Tom Hiddleston thing, I don't get it. I don't think that he's that appealing. I like the Loki character. Yeah, Tom Hiddleston, my wife's like, oh, I gotta see see him i don't like looking at him but i've liked him as loki he's he's look the, the best villain of the marvel universe and i like that they still try again bring in that family dynamic he can never be the full bad guy he always kind of wants to be the brother and you know when thor is in prison and he's throwing those rocks at him to prove that he's a hologram i like those kind of jokes here but yeah you never can fully trust him i've 
really liked Loki in Avengers 1, and you can go back, I didn't really care for him, and I didn't know his motivation in Thor 1. He's horrible in that. In Thor 2, I really liked him. I think that may have been his best portrayal. Here, it's a little bit wishy-washy. He's constantly trying to betray his brother. It's getting a little bit old by this point. Even Thor can see right through it. They don't play it up much. But when they're stealing the ship, Loki's going to betray him again. And Thor put the obedience disc on him and tases him. And he's going to show up again as the savior. If they're going to make sweeping changes to this universe, they need to make Loki decide he's just going to be a hero or a villain. But to keep playing this note for three full films... He was purely a villain in Avengers, and that was his best use. Yeah, but Thor does finally just call him on it and leaves him on Sakaar getting electrocuted because he knows he can't trust him ultimately. I like the fact that even Thor knew he was going to get betrayed, that he knows his brother well enough. He tells a story from childhood about a snake <laughs> turning into his brother and stabbing him. My seven-year-old's favorite part of the film was that story. It's kind of mine, too. Yeah, it was just, I mean, again, all of this stuff feels like ad-libs. I'm like, do we need all of this? But it is what the movie movie is honestly most of this movie is just riffing the whole thing he knows i love snakes <laughs> yeah yeah that was the that's you know it's the opposite of what you would expect and of course in character of thor that you know that he would go around picking up snakes proving his masculinity here but yeah he knew that loki was going to betray him and put the taser sticker on him and thus could fly away i think they're going to keep doing this arnie i think that the point of loki is that whenever he becomes too much of one thing they'll switch it up and have him be the other they leave him here as the villain so that he can ride in at the climax and be the a hero. But I think we're going to see him back by Thanos' side in Infinity War. We get the one shot where later on when he sees the Tesseract and he just stops. He got the Tesseract. He stole the Tesseract. Yeah, he got it. And Thanos knows it. And so this is it. This is the end of my tolerance of Loki switching sides back and forth. When Thanos shows up, he's got to pick a side and he's got to stick to it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, you're probably right about that. That sounds logical. But Yes, they steal the Grandmaster's pleasure ship where he has his orgies. And to fly up the devil's anus. A little battle with Topaz. I do like her. I, it's glad to know that she's a star somewhere down under. They like her more. Here, she just kind of gets a... Do they even kill her? I didn't even notice. She crashes. Okay. Yeah, they don't show a death. When Banner th says, this looks like a gun, and it brings up the hologram, it's your birthday, and shoots the fireworks, she can't see, and she runs right into a statue. And okay. So, is she dead? Probably. If we don't want her to be, maybe not. <laughs> I'm just glad to know about this actress, because I did see Moana in theaters, and now to understand who this actress is that got such a big role in that... It makes a lot more sense now, and I'm glad she's here for that reason. She's funny, too. Everybody's funny. They don't miscast anyone for the humor, but Goldblum, he's going to be my standout. His holograms that appear 50 foot tall but have like a Max Headroom quality to them, the way they stutter, and it's obviously they're editing different takes of him together, but it works so well. Jeff Goldblum always looks like he's been edited from different takes. <laughs> Just in real life. Yeah. I like him. In a lesser dose, I think he would be the best part of this movie. But I have kind of resented that we spent so much time here. Before we leave, I got to ask, where was Man-Thing? We see them building a Hulk face in the side yeah, of the building. Yeah. And there's there's a bunch of different faces on there. One of them was Man-Thing. It looks like Man-Thing, at least. Oh, I didn't recognize anybody on that. Okay. 
It, it was quick, yeah. I, I was paying attention because I'm like, there's got to be some Easter eggs here. Man-Thing, Beta Ray Bill, Bi-Beast, Hulk, Ares. So they had quite a few. Yeah, they did maybe have an Ares there too. Not to be confused with Wonder Woman Ares. <laughs> Just the same mythology. <laughs> it's copyright free. So anyway, there's 20 minutes left. Maybe we should have Ragnarok, right? They really drop the humor pretty quickly at this point. When they get back, it's suddenly a straight fight and it's a little jarring that we go into straight action and redemption of scourge and yeah we're gonna bring the zeppelin back though yeah that is cool the thing i didn't feel this movie earned is the loss of thor's eye i'm like this isn't the movie where you're going to permanently scar our hero nothing in this movie has led me to believe that this is going to scar you for life Well, it sends the signal that Hela is stronger than him. You know, she has a line early on that you don't look anything like our father. And now she's going to make him look like Odin by taking the eye. And it happened so quick, though, it didn't feel like a big moment to me. I'm like, oh, there's blood dripping down. I heard the lines in that. I don't know. It seems like that would have been a much more drawn out scene if there was really going to be weight to it. Again, my criticism of this movie remains consistent. Dramatically, it never has an impact because there's too much comedy. This end fight is, I find it to be a lot of fun, though, as far as action goes. I think they've staged it really well. They've given Heimdall something to do. And when Heimdall is about to be killed, which would be the only death in this movie to actually mean something, (laughs) Korg is going to show up and save him. No, no, no. The death that would have really meant something. I was worried about this because there's a giant wolf. My girls are like, oh, my gosh, look at the dog. He's so cute, even though he's evil. (laughs) I'm like, they can't do like a big death with this dog. What happened with the dog? The the Hulk throws him over a waterfall. We don't know what happens to him, but I'm like, oh, how are they going to? Because my girls, they don't care he's evil. They just care that he's a dog and you can't kill the dog. Ah, that's See, I lost track of everything that was happening. They give everyone someone to fight. You know, that is the wise thing to do here. That, yes, Banner first thinks he's going to come out falling as the Hulk, but it takes a splat before he can transform. Does he die? This is the one thing that makes me think we may have Hulk forever is because he jumps out just like we saw in Incredible Hulk with Norton, and you think he's going to turn into the Hulk. He lands, and on the second viewing, his eyes aren't fully closed, he's not moving, and he looks really broken, and the wolf (laughs) Fanrir kind of paws at him, and he moves like when my dog finds a dead bird in our yard, just kind of paws at it. Well, probably knocked him out at least. Yeah, but... It's the Rainbow Bridge. I don't know what the properties are of the Rainbow Bridge. They can play it either way, Arnie. If they want to, he's dead and it's Hulk forever, which I think they're leading to. But we may get Ruffalo again in some way. Or yeah, it's just a Looney Tunes joke. It's just another slapstick moment in a movie replete with them. But I'm just saying that that could have been a more serious moment. Watching it the second time, he looked dead to me. But of course he's going to Hulk out. But does that mean he just healed when he became the Hulk? Or is it Banner died Mm -hmm. because he said he would never be Banner again? Is this literally the death of Banner and Hulk is out, but Hulk has the least to do. Every so often we're going to cut to him with the wolf. The wolf is going to puncture Hulk's skin, which we've never seen before with one of those teeth. But yeah, Hulk's just going to fall off a waterfall with the wolf and probably the wolf. Well, the planet blows up, so the wolf did die. (laughs) They just don't have to show it. Yeah. And then Loki's going to be a hero too, because he's going to ride in with Korg and all the gladiators that were freed and the resistance I guess after they got done kicking Jeff Goldblum's ass, they decided to come and save all of the immigrants on Asgard. And one of them is Scourge. Scourge, I guess, 
Did we need him redeemed? I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, they're setting his character. It would have been weird to, for him to give all those looks he was giving without having some kind of redemption. And yeah, that he's going to hide away. I'm like, okay, at some point he's going to have to sacrifice himself. And he does. He pulls out Des and Troy and, and destroys, but he gets it in the end. I, again, I wish I knew his color Urban because I always like him. I just didn't recognize him, but... I liked him here, too. I really did. I thought he played very well the reluctant villain when he finally does change sides i saw it coming but i liked the performance again i never knew it was carl urban either and even (laughs) the second time i'm looking for bones mccoy i'm looking for that guy from pitch black i'm looking for the guy from lord of the rings i don't see him i swear to god he has sold his soul to like physically transform for every role Thor can't beat his sister, though. Is that the wrong choice that they got to go back to? Well, no, I I mean, again, I think it's kind of cool that, yeah, they're actually Thor is going to be responsible for Ragnarok. I mean, I like that they pay off that whole fight at the beginning. I thought at one point Hela was going to take like that skeleton head and use that for her crown and that's how she get her powers but no that's sitting in the trophy room where we learned we saw that infinity gauntlet there we learned that was a fake though what a retcon that's been a big problem for marvel is that the infinity gauntlet was in the throne room but then later we see that thanos had an infinity gauntlet so they throw in the line fake hey you know, it's as good of an explanation as some of those Marvel one-shots were to retcon why <laughs> things happen the way they do. Wasn't a problem for me. I didn't even realize that that was not continuity. But you're right. Again, I forgot about Thanos. I mean, it's been a long time since Infinity Stones have mattered. Thank goodness. I'm glad we're done with the glowy rocks, but we'll get a whole movie about that. Yeah, <laughs> we're not done yet. In this film, we are, though. Yeah, we get this big epic battle. I don't have a problem with Thor not being able to kill her. I think it's funny the way, I guess if you're the goddess of death, you can just pull swords out of anywhere and throw them, and that seems like that's all she does. Though we get a funny scene with Loki and Valkyrie where they do the same, like, I guess it's an Asgardian thing. You just pull blades out, continue but it's not great tragedy. It's not great Shakespeare, but yeah, that you're going to have to be the destructor of your kingdom, that it's the people that matter, not the soil that you're born on. Again, feel like that's a big thing in today's politics. They're going to say it three times. Asgard is not a place, it's a people. Yeah, even Hemdall knows it, and I'm like, okay, we didn't even need the Odin cameo. (laughs) I did like the visuals, the return of Sartre. I didn't expect him to come back. I thought, like, the tentacled beastie in Guardians 2 that was just an opening fight to show Thor's a badass to show him weakened here at the end you know you set him up as unbeatable and then you beat him I do love that the Hulk though is the one that could defeat Sarker like he jumps up and starts beating him and Thor tells him to back off and he pounds the helmet the source of yeah he almost cracked it yeah I thought that he really could have taken Sarker and Hulk's like but big monster Yeah, no, that was a fun joke. Uh, that one I appreciated. <laughs> uh, yeah, that basically, this is not his movie. You have to stand down. You'll get another big moment. And I also did like when before they're causing Ragnarok, what are we going to do? I'm not doing we need help. The we need help throw Loki. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but is Hela dead? Probably. Kate Blanchett probably won't want to come back, but she seemed pretty indestructible. No, she's like Mads Mikkelsen. You know, they get these big actors to do these villain roles. They're never coming back. Mm-mm. And Korg gets the best line. The foundation is still strong. We yes. will rebuild. <laughs> it will be a haven that the planet blows up. 
oh, sorry, there go the foundations. I mean, come on. that They've done that joke so many times in this movie. Who didn't see that as the punchline? I didn't. I was like, but it's just the kind of hokey thing that you see in these movies. The foundations are strong. That metaphor specifically. Yeah, it's a parody of superhero movies that they're doing here. And again, Mel Brooks could have directed this. And where did they go to next? Not Star Trek Four, apparently. Yeah, they're headed to Earth, right? They're going to go to Oklahoma, just like the comics. Not Mick's homeworld either, although he is alive. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be on his homeworld either. <laughs> the scissors joke. Don't be afraid of me unless you're made of scissors. <laughs> and his friend kind of is as the blade hands. Yeah, they go to Earth. I, I think they're going to Norway because Odin's like, remember this place. I don't know that the Norwegians want a truckload of Asgardians <laughs> either. But. Hey, those Asgardians saved them from Frost Giants. They better show some thanks. What's funny is an Australian movie and we have the end with a giant ship full of convicts who've escaped and going to colonize a new land. But they're not going to get there. I mean, we see in the mid credit sequence, clearly they've been stopped. Is that Thanos' ship? Gotta be, right? Yeah, I just recognized it as a ship from the Guardians of the Galaxy, like the one Ronan used. I'm like, ooh, is Star-Lord going to show up? But no, they cut it pretty quick. According to Kevin Feige, that is the Sanctuary 2. And if you're not familiar with that... The original Sanctuary is the cosmic planet where we've seen Thanos on his throne. We saw it in Guardians. We saw it in Avengers 1. So Sanctuary 2 is a mobile version of Thanos' throne. So it's not a super weapon, but it's a giant ship. Will they kill all the Asgardians? Because again, I'm not going to spoil Avengers, but I'm curious if they're going to kill all the Asgardians right here. Or Thanos just picks up Loki because he has the Tesseract. There is one more end credit scene. You got two. The mid-credits one is Thanos. The end-end credits one is give it to Goldblum. I actually was, at Guardians was so on my mind. I'm like, they're ever going to bring Howard the Duck back. <laughs> this is it. I expected him to show up again. They did name drop the planet Xandar, I noticed, on the second viewing. Because it was going to take 18 months to get to Asgard. And they'd have to go to Xandar to find transport. And then they decided to go up the Devil's Anus. But Goldblum, I don't know that I find Goldblum as funny as Goldblum finds Goldblum, and I don't quite understand the role of these masked people in the junkyard. And there was a revolution, and he went into hiding, and he comes out. It's a tie. <laughs> yeah, it's some kind of stinger. I think, actually, both of these things are a little bit weak. They leave us wanting something else. Usually, there's a bigger laugh, there's a bigger punchline to... It's like they don't want to show us anything. Again, I use the word filler. What we've seen here has just been waiting until we can get to next summer. I'm not the only one, though, who really wants Benicio and Goldblum to team up in a movie, right? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> a grandmaster, grand collector team up? They're brothers in the comics. It would be disappointing if we don't see them together in, at some point. Well, I was on the edge of my seat coming into this, and I'm really on the edge of my seat now. Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Thor Ragnarok? Jacob. All right, one of the best Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, I'm just going to say, in, in my top three. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I know. I know, Stuart, your mind is being blown right now because I've heard your response throughout this. Look, for me, this is what I wanted in a Thor movie. Ragnar rock and roll, crazy space adventures, fighting fire monsters and dragons. It's just weird shit. It's psychedelic. This is the Thor I want. I hope this is the Thor that sticks around because if we're going to do the space stuff, the Guardian stuff never pushes it quite far. That's a funny thing in space. But yeah, the, just more of the psychedelic 
psychedelic craziness and bringing in the Zeppelin, bring in some acid rock. That's what I want in Thor. I responded very well to this, obviously. I think it's funny if you're a fan of Guardians. I think you're going to be a fan of this because this is copying that model. I just think it does it better. I like the action here. You know, again, these are Marvel Disney superhero movies. It's never going to be as serious as a Christopher Nolan, I don't think. The Winter Soldier gets close to that. But I like that there's themes here, that there's character arcs, that they are still taking time to hit all those notes and not just be one fight after the other. Yeah, I think an hour and 40 minute version would be better just excising some of the jokes and not having everything in there. But I had a, like I said, Ragnar rock and roll great time during this strong recommend. All right, I'm on nails here, Stuart. <laughs> well, then I'll, I'll take you off immediately. I'm going to give it a green arrow. I mean, it's a Thor movie, for Christ's sake. Hela's always like, to be honest, I expected more. Why? Why would you? These are always the pits. This is clearly his best work. It's a largely funny movie, but I do think I expected more drama. I did expect more Ragnarok in Ragnarok. And I don't think I'm wrong for asking for it. I think that they did forget to tell a story in all of these jokes, that this is largely riffing. Maybe I shouldn't expect more. This seems to be the direction of the Disney-owned properties. When you consider it in the longer history, we set it in Iron Man 3, and it's pretty much kept a being, you know, with Guardians, Spider-Man, Ant-Man. Innocuous PG-13 Disney comedies are what we're getting in this Marvel Universe. And it's actually, the disappointments for me have been like Doctor Strange when they've tried to do something more substantial and it just hasn't worked. I think this is what they're going to do. This could be and maybe should be a Marvel cartoon. And so that is disappointing for me as someone that has wanted to have more there there, to have more action, to have more teeth. Yeah, maybe more Nolan. Maybe that's just what I'm holding to. Winter Soldier. When I rank them, the ones that are more substantial are at the top. Winter Soldier, Iron Man, Avengers, Civil War. Those are going to be the best. This kind of falls in that middle. I put it right there, probably in between First Avenger and Homecoming and Ant-Man. Like, it's just one of those that fills the time, does the job. Nobody's better at fan service than Disney. I mean, they know how to treat their audience, and they give them everything that you would expect. But I think that there's more room to do more with the Thor character than they've been doing. I think I'm coming right down the middle. I mean, from one of the strongest recommends in Marvel Cinematic Universe history to a, a pretty middling recommend. I'm a strong recommend, but not the highest. <laughs> not a strong recommend. Yeah, I'm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to be more smoldering fire recommend, not blazing inferno recommend. <laughs> because both times I found there's so much setup. And honestly, I feel bad for Watiti because he was handed a bad bill of goods. Thor was last seen in a bathtub. Loki took over Asgard. Odin's in a retirement home. You've got so much you've got to straighten out to just not make The Dark World 2 and to make your own movie. And he gets through it efficiently. But both times, the first hour, I enjoyed it. That's what I need to stress is I'm having fun. But when we hit the one hour mark, it feels like credits should roll. <laughs> and that's right after he fights the Hulk. I'm just, I'm exhausted by how much we get. And then the movie slows down a bit. We spend quite a bit of time on Sakaar. And then we end with our big climax. But to me, it's not as fun where I'm like, where did the time go? I knew exactly where the time went and where the axe changed. But it, I laughed. I had a smile on my face the entire two hours the first time. And the first time I watched this, I just went in. I didn't take any notes. I just 
wanted to experience the movie. And the 3D, whenever that hammer flies, which admittedly is only in the first third of the film, <laughs> but that was some really good 3D. The shots of Asgard, the shots of Norway, really good post-conversion 3D stuff. But the first time, I smiled the entire time. The second time, I was taking notes, I was concentrating, I was finding the linkages and the dialogue, like, you don't look like your father. Oh, now I see the resemblance when he loses the eye. So I didn't laugh as hard, but I still really enjoyed this movie, and I think it's Hemsworth's strongest comedic performance to date. It's easily a recommend, but... Unlike Jacob, I did rank, again, all 17, I don't count you in humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all 17 Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. And to me, the top four are almost like molecules in that they can shift position any day. At any time, Winter Soldier, Iron Man, Avengers 1, or Guardians 1 could be my favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe film. And then there's the second tier that's really good but not, oh my god, amazing. And Ragnarok's in that second tier. It's there with Civil War. I didn't think Civil War was, oh my god, amazing. It had some plot problems. It was not Winter Soldier good, but it was really good. And so is Thor Ragnarok. Easily the best Thor film. We've said that before. We've mentioned that's a low bar yeah. to hurdle. <laughs> I mean, that's not a compliment. <laughs> but it's also one of the best Marvel Cinematic Universe movies in a long time. I mean, since Civil War, which has been a year and a half ago, and then to go further beyond that, you got to go back, like I said, to Winter Soldier and Guardians. I like Guardians 2 more, but that's partly because they tried to do something that wasn't humor. Again, the thing I'm always fighting against is I don't want it to be frivolous. I mean, at its best, these things are noisy, good times that leave no aftertaste. At its worst... It's a one-joke concept stretched to the breaking point. I think a lot of the last five movies we've covered, Spider-Man, Ant-Man, even Guardians, which is the best of these, they're frivolous. They're forgettable. They're just jokes. They're just larks. Well, what about Black Panther? I'm actually excited about that. I like that, again, you bring in a Maori director and you touch upon ideas of colonialism and immigration and all of that. Black Panther, it looks exciting because it looks very Afrocentric, which it should be. Oh, yeah. It doesn't look whitewashed, though, as you would expect from Disney. Gulp, uh, you know, I was horribly disappointed by the result, but this is the one I'm most anticipating since Doctor Strange. I wanted Doctor Strange to rock. This one looks like it won't be a lark. It won't be a joke. And that's what's got me excited. It may disappoint like Doctor Strange, but it's going to be about things. It's going to be serious-minded. It has the potential to get us back to Winter Soldier, Civil War kind of vibe. I'm excited for Black Panther for reasons that have nothing to do with the movie. Like, I went to Hasbro's convention. There's a really cool Thanos cameo in it or something? <laughs> no, I think it's awesome that there's going to be an entire line of toys of primarily African characters. I can't recall any toy line I've ever covered that is primarily African. And I think that's great that they have male and female heroes of color that people are going to be able to buy. When I saw the toy line, I was like, wow, that really is cool for kids who want to be a hero and don't feel like they can be Spider-Man or something because of their skin color. And that's part of the reason I'm excited for this Black Panther. They're embracing that. Yeah, I think the toy line is, I'm curious if the toy line will sell because I hear the same thing about women that there's no women action figures, but statistics show women don't buy them. They don't sell. So I'm hopeful they'll sell. So I'm happy from a toy line reason, but honestly, to me, that movie is filler. 
it's biding my time till I get to what I really want, which is Infinity War. I keep forgetting there's another movie before Infinity War. Even though they saw the Black Panther trailer before this movie, and the Russo brothers came out and are like, you wanted an Infinity War trailer now? And they, they said, we'll serve no wine before it's time. I guess I'm okay with what's been called filler, because, yeah, I want some of these Marvel movies to feel just like movies instead of a TV series leading up to Thanos. I think it's telling that they're putting it out in February, which is, is Black History Month, but is also the month where, like, the ones we have less confidence in, we're going to put it out there. It's going to have a better shot of getting a box office at a time when there's not that many other epic movies happening. I feel that February's become the new summer, though, with Deadpool, Kingsman, these movies making hundreds of millions of dollars released in February. I think that during a time that has normally been the dumping ground, they're finding box office gold finally. Well, one or two movies are. And then there's about 30 other ones we won't talk about. I think that Marvel... When you're doing three or four movies a year, you want to spread them out. You don't want to step on your own box office. It's still striking to me they're going to release Avengers and then three weeks later or four release a Star Wars movie. It's like you still got some money to squeeze out of your theaters still, but they need to space them out. And February has proven you can make hundreds of millions. But I think it's telling that I feel about Black Panther Pretty much the same way I felt about Doctor Strange and Ant-Man. It's an unproven hero to me. I may walk out of it loving that film, but I can't be hyped for it just based off, he was really, really cool in Civil War. I loved Black Panther in Civil War, but I don't know his world. I don't know his universe. I've always found him to be stuffy and uptight in the comics, and so the times I've tried to read Black Panther comics, it's been far too much political kingdom stuff and not enough action. I'm not dreading it or anything. It's just not the one I'm looking forward to. I know what I'm going to get in Infinity War, and I want it. I'm hungry for it. I can't wait for May. But, guys, we got a superhero film in two weeks. Justice League. Honestly, I'm going in... Lowest of expectations. <laughs> Can they beat the Revengers? <laughs> That's all they have to do. They don't have to beat the Avengers. They just have to beat the Revengers. You know what? Can they just finish the CGI? Because this movie looks unfinished. <laughs> the movie looks incomplete. Yeah, just... If these are the best scenes they're showing in the trailer, glub glub, this ship is going <laughs> down. They can keep telling us it's Wonder Woman 2 all they want. I'm deeply concerned, but yes, we have another big superhero franchise launching in just two weeks. It's telling from my IMAX audience, there were some pretty talkative guys behind me, and the trailers we saw before that movie, the very first trailer was New Mutants, and as soon as that trailer ended, they turned to each other and said, that's Marvel? It didn't really look like Marvel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they were really confused, and after the Justice League trailer, they're like, that's going to be pretty good. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, well, we will see. Uh, we will be there. That's not what we're covering next week. We're getting back to Death Wish 4. We're still on that? We still got that wish going? <laughs> Talk about filler. <laughs> we cannot get two weeks of Death Wish in a row. <laughs> yeah, he is exactly so. We, yeah, we can't allot the time. Well, they changed the end game for one thing, but we haven't been able to designate an entire month leading up through all five Charles Bronson films, but we will get there this month. In between, we'll get Justice League, and then we're going to do 12 Monkeys and Star Wars. And on Fridays, listeners have spoken. 
Our Hellraiser review last Friday is being considered one of our best reviews ever. And it's a long one. If you want, if you want just time for your money, you're getting a lot of time on that one. Yeah, that was an epic show. Arnie, you've been wanting to do Hellraiser, and I think the years of buildup came out in that epic show. And one of the people on Twitter, uh, Sartage, said it was slightly edited because we never made the episode feel like a two-hour-plus discussion, which is perhaps the best feedback I could get as an editor. It is a long show, but it never felt like a long show. That's awesome. It's a long series, it should be said. That's just the kickoff (laughs) to what is nine, maybe one day, ten installments of this universe. And I'm scheduled, as of this recording, to talk to Pinhead from number 10 tomorrow morning. So we'll have an interview. If we won't have a movie review, we'll at least have an interview with Pinhead. From the new movie judgment that, yes, we don't think we're going to cover it this year, but we could. But we definitely will be getting Doug Bradley being Pinhead in eight of them. Some coffee lackey getting the night <laughs> film. You're interviewing the 10th Pinhead. And yeah, this... Friday, we get to hell with Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. Not nearly as long a discussion, but I'm really looking forward to it. I think all four theatrical films have a lot to discuss about them. And then... <laughs> and then... we Even the video ones, I think, have their tales to be told. Mm. I've done a lot of research for those movies. I really hope if you enjoy Now Playing, you can listen to these Hellraiser reviews. I did walk away from the edit of Hellraiser feeling proud of that show... And the listener feedback has just been so heartening to me. And if you enjoy this show, even if you don't like our horror reviews so much, if you're not into horror movies, I think there's still stuff here for you to maybe look at why people like horror movies and what they look for in horror films. Plus, it supports Now Playing. We're planning our 2018 now. We could really use your support to make it happen. And so, Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. We've got about 20 five weeks left to go, but I'm counting down till the The Avengers Avengers Assemble! Yesterday, so that's still pretty fresh. Sounds like you had a pretty special and intimate relationship with this hammer, and that losing it was almost comparable to losing a loved one. It's a nice way of putting it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the now playing Avengers retrospective series. We're adjourned. We're adjourned for the day. Okay. You've been a delight. Part of our Marvel Comics movie retrospective series. This is a whole new level of weird. I don't feel inclined to step away from it. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week. Your work has impressed a lot of people who are much smarter than I am. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, go to our archives, where you can find reviews of other Marvel Comics movie series, such as X-Men, The Fantastic Four, Blade, and Punisher, plus DC Comics reviews of Green Lantern, Batman, and Superman. Good luck keeping up. 
We also have non-comic-based movie reviews, such as Star Trek, Terminator, Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Tron, and many more. I'm bringing the party to you. You will also find individual movie reviews, such as Cowboys and Aliens, Avatar, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Would you like to hear what they're saying? I can hear what they're saying. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this show with other listeners. Here we remain as a beacon of hope, shining out across the stars. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. It's strange. Maybe. Who am I to judge? The links to our social media pages can be found at NowPlayingPodcast.com. Therefore, what I'm saying, if I'm saying anything, is welcome back. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You have to explain that statement, sir. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Is it too much of a problem to ask? Because I'm, I'm... Okay, okay. I really need your help here. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy t-shirts, totes, boxers, coffee mugs, teddy bears, and much more. Get yourself something nice for me. I already did. And? Oh, it's very nice. Very tasteful. Now Playing's Avengers Retrospective Series is edited by Arnie. All right, let's start over. You can edit it. Three, two, one. Now Playing Credit Narration by Brock. Wow. You spoke to me with what you did, and I know that you knew that I'd be listening. Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises or Marvel Studios, Paramount Pictures, Universal Pictures, or the Disney Company. The Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, The Incredible Hulk, and all that the Marvel Universe contains are the property and trademark of the Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. You really think that just because you have an idea, it belongs to you? The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Inganza Media Incorporated. Just stick to the official statement and soon this will all be behind you. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2017. All rights reserved. Any last words? Hulk! Smash! went in and there was this giant big d theater i can't believe they actually call it the big d but they do (laughs) (laughs) can't believe they made a creature called bi-beast it was long time ago (laughs) they knew (laughs) the immigrant song like jacob mentioned good song and to me there was this guy do you guys remember the we like the subs subway ad or the sponge monkeys (laughs) No. Quiznos, Quiznos. Quiznos, yes, Quiznos. They've got a pepper yes. bar. Well, this guy made a viral video in the early 2000s of two gerbil things singing We Like the Moon. He also had one of Viking kitties sailing the seas, playing the immigrant song. And <gasps> Yeah, no, she's a fun hey, vision. Dog. I know, but what can I do? You gotta wait for it to stop barking. Oh, okay. Gonna do. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna go take a nap. Odin sleep. <laughs>
Yeah, I like this actress. She's a respected actress. I think. You do? Yeah. I don't remember it that way, Aviator. Well, I didn't like anything about the Aviator. <laughs> okay. Nothing at all about the Aviator. I believe you said some very unkind things about her performance. I'm sure she was terrible in it, but I like her in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I like her in The Gift. I think she has talent. I just blame Scorsese for everything with the Aviator. But no... <gasps> Here, Hemsworth is not as good as Pine. Not Pine. Yeah, Pratt. Uh, Pratt. Yeah. <gasps> Honestly, I feel bad for... Taiki Watiti. Because of that Taika name? Taiki Watiti. Because <laughs> I can't say it? What? Oh!